0: Hello Hello there. there. Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. This is episode 56. Today, we're watching three episodes that, in my opinion, exist. Um, They definitely exist. They're called (laughs) Shadow Warrior, Mercy Mission, and Nomad Droids.
1: Yeah, these were some uh, really... Let's just say there were some very interesting they episodes. Were interesting episodes. I'm not quite sure what to make of them, to be honest. But, Me neither.
0: Uh, um let's I'm see. Little, uh, uh what what how do you wanna divide this up? I want to do I mercy think, mission.
1: Okay, um
0: That's the only one. You I can
1: really. do you do Mercy Mission and Nomad Droids, and I'll do Shadow Warrior. Okay. Because I don't even so. understand how to explain the last two.
0: <laughs> okay, go ahead.
1: So shadow warrior this episode takes place on naboo and it's sort of a two part a two act episode in the first act we see jar jar padme and anakin uh journeying back to naboo um, and visiting Autogunga and seeing the gungans because the new leader who goes by the name of boss leone is planning to attack feed and attack the Naboo and saying that they've been treated as second-class citizens um and this has horrified some people but a lot of the citizens are on board now it turns out that there is actually another Gungan I forgot his name Richelieu who is using Richelieu yeah there's another Gungan named Rishlu, whose name is very funny as I'll get to later um for various historical reasons but richlu is using a magical necklace to control boss leone but when anakin takes the necklace off boss leone boss leone realizes that he doesn't actually want to uh attack naboo and he thinks it's a bad idea however um he gets uh shanked non-fatally by Rishlu, so it is up to none other than jar jar binks to impersonate the leader of the Gungans to try and call off the invasion and of course then what do you know General Grievous shows up and General Grievous is out for blood um, but he is outsmarted by the Gungans who uh, capture him through the uh, sacrifice the uh, salt, the brave self-sacrifice and tragic death of Captain Turples and then of course uh Do- Dooku and-, and Sidious are like oh man we got to get Grievous back. So Dooku lures Anakin into a trap. Anakin gets captured and then they negotiate a prisoner exchange. So there's really it's really a lot there's really a lot of action. Yeah. in this episode. It's uh it- it's packed.
0: Your description But yeah, there's the mainly two parts. provides exactly in my opinion what's wrong with it. Um I have many problems with this episode. Again, <laughs> I you know Different Star Wars appeals to different people. I just found this episode extremely confusing for mul- multiple reasons. Number one, there are several episodes of these um, that I've been I've been rewatching the Clone Wars separately from this, um, and I'm fascinated by this concept of what I call an event episode, an episode yeah. where they can't really decide on what is the one thing they want to happen, so they do more than one thing and hope it'll work. Spoiler usually it doesn't work.
1: So you would say that this is an episode where it feels is an like there are, episode. It this feels is, like there are multiple different
0: Yeah, they, things they're trying to do two different like th- four different things at once. And they can't decide what one's the most important. They can't decide if it's the mind control. They can't decide if it's the separatist invasion. Uh they can't decide whether it's a Jar Jar episode. They can't decide whether it's a Gungan Society episode. They can't decide on any of that, so they just do all of it and hope it's going to work. Spoiler, mm, in my it opinion, work. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, yeah. yeah. The fortune cookie we have is who a person can uh, truly is cannot be seen with the eye.
1: Mm, yes, uh, this was an interesting fortune cookie. I think um, it, it could apply to both uh, Jar Jar and Boss Leone because jar jar i get yeah i guess richelieu a bit the way i interpreted it jar jar knew who and and also padmanik and knew who boss leone truly was so they knew that he was under some 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 influence you know yeah also however in this episode i think it could apply to jar jar because he is very clumsy and incompetent but in this episode you could say um he kind of saves the day twice in both parts of the episode you know yeah. in the first act he uh he successfully um somehow bungles his way into uh making everyone believe that he is boss leone and calling off the invasion and then he uh stalls general grievous and lures him out of his ship uh successfully so that he can be captured yeah. so i don't know i think maybe it's about jar jar but honestly this one didn't feel like it really
0: I it felt like they this. just
1: had to put something sort of like, we'll just put this, it'll be we'll what it is. We'll just slap you know? a fortune
0: cookie on this bad but
1: Yeah, just yeah, just like it has to be.
0: I honestly didn't analyze this super well in my notes because I just didn't care. Like, I just didn't care about this episode enough. Mm. Um, yeah. So, by the way, let me ask you something. What's the separatist obsession with Naboo?
1: i mean i think dooku kind of said it um when uh he he says at one point when he's dueling anakin anakin says why bring the war to naboo he says the war started on naboo so i think in his mind um this like the original battle on naboo was the start but i think that there it is alluded that there is a sith presence on naboo or maybe has been for a long time you know with all these the different in various episodes we see the different underground chambers and and secret rooms that kind in and i mean i think also we can't forget that palpatine of course he's from naboo he's a cultured gentleman that makes total sense but so he probably has some reason or another to uh to to want to be to want to do something with naboo although clearly we don't really know what
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's just, like, it's it's odd that Naboo, which is such a republic-loyal planet, gets constantly targeted by separatists over and over again. And, like, they somehow do well every single time, even if they don't succeed. Also, let me ask you another question. There's no—you're telling me that if a boss, a Gungan boss, is, like, injured or unconscious or unable to perform the duties of their office, say, like a president in American society— there's no protocol for that.
1: Yeah, there's no backup. There's no. Just yeah, I would have thought there would be something, you know.
0: Yeah, it it seemed, but, it's yeah. extremely odd.
1: I thought it was one thing that was weird was I don't even mind Jar Jar that much anymore. I don't know. I kind of. I'm not gonna say I I, I love him, but you know I,
0: I. I don't mind him either because there are like six other problems with this episode that are way <laughs> bigger than Jar Jar. I
1: don't know. I think he has a certain. A, a certain uh je ne sais quoi um yeah. I
0: but really I, like I thought
1: that. it it was interesting um a feed in this episode when we go back and see it it seems like feed is literally darker and and you have some of the bulbs kind of flickering
0: yeah and i
1: thought that maybe that was a nod to kind of the lack of prosperity that was that was creating this frustration I mean, I'm not well, sure exactly, but...
0: There's there's like, that line from... There's that throwaway line that I think would beautifully illustrate this from, an, from Heroes on Both Sides. Um, when Padme is giving the speech to the Senate, Tecla's food have no um, light to read or study from. Um, it's about how the Clone War is affecting the lives of everyday citizens on Naboo, because Naboo's budget is probably being spent... They're going towards the Republic playing for clones, and going towards themselves probably paying for more clone battalions and local security and all that kind of stuff because it's wartime. So I don't think it's prosperity for I like I, I think it's about I think it could be about the idea that the war is destroying a lot of people's regular way of life in that way. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, definitely. I think I, th- I think also, yeah. One one cool thing that I noticed also is that um, I don't know this episode felt very uh George George Lucasy he, sort it of did. in it the way the mind did. control. Like like I feel like if that was in the prequels, it could have been a metaphor for political leaders being being compromised by money or, or something like that. Yeah. I think that's definitely this something episode Lucas actually did feel very George do.
0: Lucasy in like um. I'm not saying that to disparage George Lucas at all. I'm just saying, like, I don't think the re- I don't think it being George Lucasy was his problem. Um, I think George be- being very Lucas esque is a and is a facet of the episode. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. By the way, did you cringe internally when um, Richelieu said to Dooku, "Events days proceeding as planned, character? <laughs> I yeah that part was that was interesting face palmed I'm like really yeah, I was we're like doing, oh my God, we're doing the evil plot now with a gun do we have to um yeah. what are you gonna say about Richelieu's name
1: yeah that, that was one thing i was i i think um i I kind of assumed and i I assume that this is correct because i don't I couldn't see any other explanation, but I assumed that the name Richelieu was a reference to a cardinal Richelieu, the historical figure from the French Revolution who was known for just like going ham and and having a bunch of people executed during that time. Um, and he was part of, he was part of, uh, the radical phase of the French revolution. So I think maybe they were calling this guy Richelieu because he was super, um, super ruthless and, and wanted to, um, he, he kind of pitched the attack on feed as a war against the, the oppressive Naboo, like, um, like uh, when it, in his hypnotic speech when um when boss Leone says you know they're treating us like second-class citizens or it could just it could just totally be a coincidence i'm not sure
0: yeah uh so yeah i i struggled with the you know, I look for a lot of themes in the episodes, and I, I struggled with this one. One of the things I thought of for Shadow Warrior was the idea of leaders and influence. You know, when we see Leone, the blue-controlled Leone, um, preaching all these things. You know, that we had that very malleable will of the people that's talked about in mandalore and Onderon and all of these different are and mon calamari and all that anything involving a uh planet that is that has citizens normally free from the influence of the overbearing influence of the republic or the separatists we have that idea of the will of the people um and this is a very will of the people episode where we have you know the idea of you know once um once Leone, as, once Jar Jar as Leone calls off everything off, they just stop. They just don't do it anymore, you know. Um They just, they just, they just, they just don't. But they were all ready to attack Naboo when Leone was being controlled by Luke. They were all re- they were, they were seconds away. Um Yeah,
1: they were. I thought it was kind of funny how Padme kept saying, oh, you look just like Boss Leone. And then, and and then, um. Jar Jar kept saying, "No, we don't look anything Lisa alike. What are you alike. talking about?" And it's like, I, I imagine there's like a extended cut where Jar is like, "Listen here, you racist! We don't yeah. look alike. I don't know yeah, what I'm you're getting to say, at here, buddy."
0: Is is Padme a like, secret uh, closet space racist?
1: I think Padme is a secret space racist because in um in Attack of the Clones, she says, "We all have," which she feels like we all get, get angry. Annie, it's what makes us human. Oh, oh human yeah. you say
0: Very, very I mean
1: nice, that's very probably nice just stuff. like some script writing stuff but still like
0: oh it's definitely some script mm, writing stuff but we can't ignore it Interesting. We cannot ignore yeah. this um yeah uh so Grievous comes on to Naboo because of course Grievous has to come on to Naboo because he does I guess I don't know <laughs> anyway um so by the way <laughs> let's all acknowledge how pissed Grievous gets it, Jar Jar like he absolutely blows his top it's hilarious I I know it's
1: it's yeah I think this was probably the the, uh the sit down meeting between uh Jar Jar and Grievous was definitely the highlight of the episode with for me because it's kind of it's kind of hilarious um I think it definitely says something. I'm not sure what, but it says something that it definitely for happens. all the Jedi that Grievous has killed, for all the the powerful uh, Jedi and and highly trained clone troopers that Grievous just runs through like a knife through warm butter, Jar Jar is the one who sits down at a table face to face with a very angry General Grievous and still escapes with not a scratch on his body.
0: Yeah. Don't ask me how that. Okay, never mind. Anyway, uh, I think yeah, it, I
1: think it says something. Maybe,
0: yeah,
1: Darth Jar Jar, possibly.
0: Please, Darth Jar Jar. I hope that's what Darth that Jar Jar. Yeah, the fact that okay, let me just say this. Okay, Grievous getting captured and like, like owned by Gungans this episode is really silly. Is it's just really silly.
1: I kind of love it though because I feel like it has the same message as the Ewoks in oh, return I thought of the Jedi. say
0: that, that that's a good point but there's also i thought you were going to talk about hondo hondo with anakin and obi-wan and um dooku in season one
1: mm, not um, really i didn't really see any connection there do you want to elaborate on that
0: like through trickery and just outsmarting the enemy a more a way more powerful enemy managing to take them down
1: yeah And I think it wasn't even necessarily the trickery; it was just the audacity that they had. Yeah. Because clearly, like Count Dooku, or shoot, not Count Dooku, um, Grievous didn't even expect, or yeah, Grievous didn't even expect. Yeah, Grievous didn't expect any. Um. Oh, what's the blank in the way? Yeah, he didn't expect any resistance. He didn't expect anyone to stand up to him. So simply by taking simply by taking some any kind of action by taking one a, a action the gungans are able to gain the upper hand and and outsmart him just because just because of the fact that you know he didn't he didn't expect he didn't expect that
0: yeah i it, it, i don't know it's just so weird um and then we get, oh my god, one of, like maybe one of my favorite quotes from this episode, one of the only quotes that really, really stands out to me. Grievous and uh, Captain Tarpals are fighting, and Grievous stabs Tarpals through the abdomen, and, yeah. he, says to, and he says to Tarpals, how does it feel to die? And, and Tarpals says back, not die, sacrifice that. Yeah is a really good quote that is like really good
1: yeah i I love that moment where again grievous doesn't expect i think part of what makes this this brilliant and kind of a, a fun a fun part of the episode and again the highlight of the episode is just grievous is pretty much grievous gets confounded by jar jar like like by just by everyone but simply because he, like, did not expect any kind of resistance, he expected to just be able to walk all over everyone like he always does. So I think that just goes to show, you know.
0: It, it's a, it's a it's an idea that's brought it up again over and over in Star Wars, that the villains always seem like they have the better firepower. They are always seem like they have the bigger guns. Um, yeah. They always see, seem like they have the upper hand in terms of like, firepower. But the heroes always have the heart. Always have the courage. Always have... And that always wins. Yeah, Um,
1: and we see that here.
0: Yeah, we see that here. Turples has the audacity to rally his Gungans to destroy Grievous, just like, you know, all the ships coming out on Exegol in 9, or, like, all the Ewoks swarming the ATST in Jedi. Or like, you know, all of the um, Jedi and clones rallying to victory um, on Geonosis, despite impossible odds, you know. Um, yeah, that's kind of that
1: something difference. we see over and over in Star Wars.
0: Yeah. Um, I really I like think that, yeah.
1: This is like, the I think, one of the most Star Wars moments of all. Because it's so, it's so, it's so obviously about the underdog.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, um, like, you well, got you, you know, there's that, a bunch of Gungans uh, defeating Grievous.
0: There, there's also that quote from Ambush, from Yoda. Uh, smaller in number are we, but larger in mind.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think if we connect it to that, you know, I think the message is these Gungans, like, like they may seem silly, but that doesn't mean they're not smart. Yeah, that doesn't they mean they don't, it doesn't they mean can. they're not worth something just because, like, they they talk yeah. differently, you know. I I, but I thought that right. was cool.
0: Rishlu is just hiding in a random like statue on Nebu. That's 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 a little odd, but okay. Um. Also, oh, so, so uh, Rishlu gets Anakin there, and then Dooku kills him for
1: being reasons. a fool. I think maybe he killed him to make it look. I think he killed him to make it look convincing, because he said, Richelieu, leave, don't make it obvious, but lure Anakin here." So then I think by killing Rishlu, like like if 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 Dooku had said, "Good job, Rishlu," or just had just let him go, then you know Anakin might have known that it was a Anthony trap was and he could have escaped
0: Anthony yeah was already
1: there. i know but he could have backed out you know he he could have he was right at the door when that happens he could have ran out the other way he could have called for backup you know
0: yeah i mean the door closes right behind him though like
1: yeah i don't know it, i think it, it's, there it's i think a weird, there's a
0: it's a weird flimsy timing thing
1: yeah i don't know um, i i think there's i think he has his reasons to do a. okay yeah kill I, I, I as, I as macabre coming. as it may be i think he has yeah. his reasons yeah
0: um, and, you know, Dooku and Anakin duel, and I love, by the way, how we see it, do, it's not Dooku versus Anakin, it's Dooku and those four Magna Gards versus Anakin. Dooku has a drive to win more than he usually does. Because yeah, usually it's, it's Anakin on the offensive, and it's the Jedi on the offensive, but now it's Dooku on the offensive. Um, and Dooku has that drive, and... The Magna Guards just overwhelm Anakin, Um, and then and then uh, Anakin's captured, and uh, Padme and Jar Jar have to reckon with this. One line that I love, and by love I mean love how stupid it is. uh, Padme says to uh, Dooku, "Stop! You cannot torture a prisoner." Did
1: you catch that line? Yeah, I I caught that line. Yeah.
0: What the heck?
1: I mean, it's pretty funny Dude coming can from. Do whatever the hell yeah. he wants. I mean, it's pretty funny coming from Padme, given that at this point we've already seen what happened to uh to Poggle the Lesser, poor Poggle. Oof. So you know, Ouch. It's, it is Padme it is a little bit um. That, I get yeah. your point. It is a bit um. It is a bit ironic. <laughs> when, like, when the subject it, of the torture is Anakin, who previously used torture to get yeah. information
0: or like Cad Bane in um uh, Children of the Force. The yeah. The mind trick thing.
1: That's true, yeah. <laughs> I don't find that as bad, but yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, that almost
0: like destroyed his mind.
1: Mhm. That's yeah.
0: like all, that's torture right there.
1: That is, it is definitely torture. It was kind um, of it was kind of accidental torture.
0: Yeah. Um and then we get a like a um a weird you know, there's that idea. There's that thing from that uh, TV show, The Good Place. The t- t- trolley problem. It was it was made famous by The Good Place, but it's the trolley problem, where you pull a lever um, and then a trolley. Um, uh, what is it again?
1: Yeah, but I know the trolley problem. You, you, yeah. the trolley is going towards. Yeah, I think it's the trolleys going toward five people, maybe. And if you pull the lever, then you can divert the trolley, and it's going towards one person, something yeah. like that. But the idea is: do you take action to kill one person but save five, or do you not do anything and presumably let? I guess I guess you could say what fated to happen happen. I think it's pretty yeah. gruesome, but, um, but there you it's have it. The,
0: it. But it's the: do they make the trade for Anakin and Grievous, sort of thing? Um, yeah, definitely. And you know. I realized that they they made it out to seem like Padme was putting her emotions first, um, and all of that. But really, trading Anakin for Grievous doesn't. I mean, I'd say actually, Grievous was probably a little bit like, uh, Grievous was probably like they, the best strategical move was them for to not do it. But really, in the grand scheme of things, it probably doesn't matter that much. Anakin is gonna go on to save tons of people and Grievous is going to go on to kill tons of people, disregarding the Vader thing for a second. Both of them are going to go on to do that, so does it really matter, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean...
0: The only thing is, like, if they capture Grievous, they can end the war quicker, but presumably if the Separatists captured Anakin, they can also end the war earlier.
1: Yeah, So it it, doesn't
0: matter that much.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter that much in the end. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously... They don't know that Grievous is is just a pawn, an errand boy, as Actually, a, as Obi Wan would say. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, look, Obi Wan kind of knows it, but they just think that in they just know that he's an errand a boy in the sense Dooku. of oh, he's Dooku's pawn. They don't know he's Dooku's pawn, and he's also Sidious's pawn. So he is completely disposable, yeah. and capturing him would definitely, definitely not end the war. They don't know that they think yeah he, even though they, they know he has no he is. here 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 let's put it this way they know that grievous has no autonomy they don't know that grievous has no real power because you can still have power and have no autonomy like yeah. if you're if your boss is just breathing down your neck all the time like yeah like dooku and grievous they,
0: they know that but i think there's they a know distinction that grievous there. is a they don't they know that grievous isn't the number one but they don't know that he is just kind of disposable
1: yeah yeah. absolutely
0: um they don't know that grievous is as disposable as the armies he commands
1: yeah i wouldn't say he's that disposable but it's definitely a i think it's definitely an interesting question this is probably the closest that anakin and grievous get in the clone wars and i think the only reason they haven't met yet again i guess is because anakin is kind of unconscious during that
0: yeah during that prisoner exchange behind the scenes reason they didn't have them meet then yeah uh, for those of you who don't know, Anakin says to Grievous things, and Grievous says to Anakin things in Revenge of the Sith, that indicates they have never met. So they cannot meet through any point in the Clone Wars because, according to Revenge of the Sith, they have never met.
1: Hmm. So I guess that implies, then, that during the prisoner exchange, Grievous doesn't know that it's Anakin.
0: Or Grievous doesn't, it just doesn't see Anakin.
1: I mean, I, I think he sees him because I'm pretty sure unless unless i unless i misinterpreted it there was a moment when they were right passing each other when grievous looked down as he was being walked Maybe by and laughed
0: anakin accurately
1: yeah i mean it, he knew he didn't know it was anakin obviously like, he saw the jedi being dragged on the ground and he laughed it was like haha jedi pawn yeah but to me it um, is very sad that captain tarples makes the ultimate sacrifice to capture grievous and then they immediately have to trade him away Thanks to Padme, Padme immediately makes the call to trade him away just because Anakin goes off super recklessly and gets himself captured. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not I trying to start understand. anything, but I'm just saying maybe there is a reason the Jedi avoid attachments. Hashtag team Windu, hashtag sorry, not sorry.
0: <laughs> Ouch. Um, I actually think that because... I think with Grievous's recapture, the, you know, we see the droids leaving Naboo. I don't think that would have happened as quickly, or at Yeah, all definitely. If so, I think Captain Tarkle's sacrifice was actually more significant yeah. than we might think.
1: Yeah, maybe it, it wasn't completely in vain. I would yeah. say.
0: I don't know if the Separatists would have stayed on Naboo if the whole Grievous thing hadn't happened, but I. But if they did leave, you know what I mean. Um, that did actually happen. They did leave, so. yeah. That is true. Um, yeah. Another problem, by the way, I just want to say I had with this episode. Did you did you have a tone problem with this episode, or was that just me?
1: A tone problem? Ooh, elaborate.
0: It couldn't decide what tone it wanted it to be. We have mind control. We have, um, you know, uh, we have mind control. We have, um, like. Uh, shoot. We have like super secret labs, and we have like silly guns and like
1: yeah, I think. But
0: then there's like political intrigue, and there's you know that this episode is a very just generally dark episode. Um, yeah, that's it's what literally my... dark, or if it's like thematically dark. So yeah. it has these silly ideas, but then it's dark at the same time.
1: Yeah I think that's what makes this episode feel like feel like it is so distinctively two acts because the two yeah pretty much the two acts feel so so different I think you're absolutely right about that you know we have this super kind of early Lucas early like kind of 1980s Marvel comic super whimsical feel with all the mind control stuff and then it immediately transitions into super kind of dark Dark, gritty like prisoner exchange kind of bridge of spies kind of yeah
0: and it feels unnatural
1: i would say it feels Uh, unnatural but i would say they definitely could have made these into two separate episodes it does kind of it does kind of feel like they just jammed two ideas together
0: yeah you know star wars misses sometimes and that's you know fine Jacob and I are getting our fills earlier early in this season. I got water war and the Mon Calamari stuff. Jacob's getting a barra.
1: We got to um, balance it out.
0: Yeah, it's fine if it misses sometimes, you know.
1: Yeah, and I don't think it's a complete wash. Like we did get some pretty yeah. great moments. Like, the whole Grievous sequence was everything from the moment that Jar Jar walked onto Grievous's ship until the moment Grievous was dragged off. I thought that was pure gold.
0: Yeah. I thought it was if the rest good.
1: of the episode was like that, this would be a classic
0: yeah i think so i think think the episode was so like bombad jedi yeah bombad jedi is a better episode is a better version of this yeah um yeah uh let's go to uh mercy mission in mercy mission r2 and 3po aid the wolf pack um of clone troopers in helping uh with supplies for the devastated world of Aline. There they figure out and solve a conflict between the surface-dwelling Alina and the creatures that dwell beneath the surface, including the mysterious Orphney and creatures that I'm going to be referring to for the entirety of this episode as treants. Um, You cannot convince me otherwise. Those <laughs> creatures are treants, Um, in Star Wars. Why? you that's why it's
1: really just like a well why not kind of moment
0: (laughs) it is it so is yeah
1: yeah this episode this episode really reminded me of legends and some of the more whimsical aspects like you know in legends in the old eu you've got your your singing mountains you've got your uh yes neon purp neon green bunny rabbits although i guess that's canon now um that is canon but you know i feel like this episode one thing i will say about it although i didn't enjoy it particularly was that it did bring back some of that more mysterious, whimsical feel from a lot of the old expanded universe material, especially the comics of the 1980s and the 1990s.
0: I agree. There's a whimsical feel to this episode that I really appreciate. Fortune Cookie, understanding is honoring the truth beneath the surface. I mean, there's quite a literal interpretation of this, because they go literally beneath the surface. Um... But there's, of course, that metaphorical meaning of r and 3PO figure out that what is going on on Aline is not what everyone thinks is going on. And there's the Republic sees a crisis and acts on the face value crisis level, not on—they not they don't try to understand the greater conflict in that. Yeah,
1: that's definitely true. I think, you know, we really see this with the clone troopers— you know, the yeah. corn troopers really just drop off the the supplies for the Ilenians, and they just say, you know, we can't do anything else. We can't look into this. We can't try and solve this. We're just doing our job. And then it's ending up being C3PO and R2D2 who then, you know, come through and, 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 figure, and figure it out and solve the crisis.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, by the way, Here's something interesting. Did you notice how out of their element all the clone troopers were in this episode?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think and, maybe had we had a more unconventional clone trooper, like, like maybe Rex for example, maybe this would have gone differently, but with Wolf, you know, super kind of... Yeah. Not it, super, but it, a little it, more straight-laced, it, a little more by the book.
0: And it brings me back to the Xur. Yeah, The clones aren't equipped for situations that are not fighting battles.
1: Yeah, but I mean they're the bred to they're bred they to be just, soldiers, yeah.
0: But but the Republic thinks they can just slap clone troopers wherever they need and it'll be fine.
1: <laughs> this definitely shows how, you know, not everything can just be solved by throwing traditional humanitarian aid at it. Like you can't just Yeah you can't just throw food and water at medical supplies at something until it goes away. And you know, sure, yeah. that's oftentimes gonna be a lifesaver, but in a situation like and this one, you know. And
0: the but, like, yeah. you know.
1: But no one, and then, like, no one actually asked the Alina what they needed.
0: By the way, let me ask you about something. The two people who we see with the Alina's release, l- relief efforts right now, right? Who are they? Like, they talk to Wolf. They're Padme and Yoda. Why is Padme there? What does Padme have to do with the people of Aline? Does Padme just, like why yeah why padme why <laughs> what are you doing there how much work do you do aren't you fighting a war right now uh yeah, i, I mean that have a bad feeling that it's padme because she cares and nobody else does but like
1: yeah it's kind of padme's thing you could say it definitely just seems like this is something that padme is doing because you know she's a she's a humanitarian she's used to doing this kind of thing but yeah, it is interesting the way they make it feel somehow trivial. I'm not sure yeah. why that is.
0: They get down to the planet. One of my favorite lines from here: "Okay, who packed the translator droid?" I love <laughs> this line. It's like a someone who's really into lore. I love the idea that the protocol droid's just like an iPad. Okay, who packed the tanning cream? You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah, it just it, yeah. I mean, it, I think it definitely shows also the difference. don't oh, only the difference, but the, it kind of shows. What uh, other clones view things? You know, they're very straightforward, a little bit um, a little bit brusque. Just kind of, you know, let's let's get this done. But they don't really think about things in different ways. They just say like, oh, this translator droid. It's a tool. It's not a droid. It doesn't have a personality. Like this is not C three PO. This is walking. This is a walking like dictionary, basically.
0: Yeah. Um. Anything before we get down beneath the surface?
1: Um. I am. I'm good to go to the surface. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. Um. I want to point out first of all. I love how amazing the Clone Wars can be with world building when it tries. It really tries here, and I really appreciate that. You know, we get these weird and whimsical creatures. And it's just because the Clone Wars writers sat down and tried, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, 100%. Like I don't
0: feel like they tried with Shadow Warrior, for example. I feel like they thought we can just slap guns there and make shenanigans happen and it'll be good. And it was mm. fine, but like, you know, when when the Clone Wars tries, it can do good world building, is my point. Um,
1: been, yeah, interesting. Yeah.
0: Like. Uh, So... Yeah. Uh so they come upon this temple. Um C three PO approaches the temple like that down thing, which by the way reminded me of the the um the uh Progate Temple in
1: Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent Progate um, Temple.
0: in not Temple of Doom. I keep saying that, uh in Legacy of Terror. Um and C three PO has a bad feeling about this because of course he should. Um, yes, he does.
1: He always does.
0: He always does. Uh, and then, so they fall down, and then they're followed, okay, okay, Jacob, what are these particles?
1: I guess they're the person, they be, they become that person, I can't remember Orfney. their name. They become, oh, wait, Sorry, what's her name? Orphany? Yeah, they become Orphany.
0: They're just like her symbol or something? I don't
1: know, I mean, I think this is definitely one of those episodes where it says, suspend disbelief yeah. don't think about it too much we're yeah. gonna take you on a magical mystery tour through yeah. whatever the heck all this is like whatever this all is
0: yeah, you know and i'm fine with that i just yeah it's it, fine it's just like it's weird to me that there's just oh here's some particles okay um yeah so um yeah these cave systems i really love these cave systems they remind me of like the inside of the exegorth the space slug and like a combination of that and like dagobah Um, yeah i I really like the cave systems they're really they're really unique and
1: cool yeah there were some things i didn't like about this episode but one of the things that i liked was really the um the scenery it was really well done i thought
0: absolutely um, it says a lot to me that, even with the questionable things, this is the best episode, in my opinion, of the three.
1: Really? Wow.
0: Yeah. I think if we take out the whole Mercy Mission idea of the episode, and we made it about the conflict between the Alina and the Ents, um, maybe maybe split this episode into two parts. Maybe do the first yeah, part, which is about the helping with the Alina, and then the second part, which is completely dedicated to... The conflict between the Alina and the Ents, and who Orphany is, why she's why she's there, um, give that some more time to grow a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm very, I'm befuddled by this episode, but yeah. <laughs> um, any thoughts, or should we just move on to the last, I guess you could call it episode?
1: Yeah, well, let's uh, yeah, let's move on. I didn't even. This episode to me was just inscrutable. I didn't even have any good trivia that I could find.
0: In Nomad Droids, in an episode inspired, in my opinion, by the old droids cartoons of the 1980s and 90s, R2-D2 and C-3PO, on their way back from um, from the mission to Aline, go on various different adventures... Including teaching a group of very small creatures about democracy. um, Overthrowing uh, an oppressive pit droid. uh, Hologram society. um, Almost being forced to fight other droids aboard a pirate ship. And almost being melted down aboard a separatist cruiser before they finally make it home to the Republic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was a this was a bonkers episode. I thought this was. Uh,
0: let me talk about this episode's fortune cookie because I hate it. This episode's fortune cookie okay. is the worst fortune cookie so far in the Clone Wars. They just slap a random new hope quote and put it as the fortune cookie.
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't the best. I thought <laughs> it it's, definitely. It's, uh... it's
0: Obi Wan. That's what it is.
1: Yeah, they definitely could have done better foolish?
0: here. Who is more foolish, the fool, the fool who follows him?
1: this episode didn't really hit the spot in what? my opinion it did.
0: It, did it not felt
1: very up. um it felt kind of like a <sighs> forces of destiny-esque forces of destiny adventure. is better than
0: this let me tell you forces of destiny is better than this
1: yeah uh, yeah that's my that's my point like if you want like a if you want a, a short wacky adventure that ends up being of little consequence like go watch forces of destiny Like, I I know that the Clone Wars, I know it doesn't have to be, like, super intense and dark and gritty all the time, but I want want it to feel a little bit more cohesive than this. This is, it it felt like, it reminded me of Napoleon Dynamite, the way it felt like it had very little plot. I don't know.
0: Like, Maybe that's okay, me. T- 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 Dynamite. First I'm not of all, sure. I want to point out from the narrator's speech on the planet Aline, R2D2 and C3PO were involved in adventures beyond their comprehension. Now they will be involved in adventures beyond any human's comprehension.
1: Yes, that is that, <laughs> yes, that is exactly how this episode feels. I I agree completely. <laughs> I agree completely.
0: Yeah, I mean the the adventures are somewhat fun and interesting, but like, yeah. So, first of all, um, let me me talk about the C-3PO references in this, which I think are really cool, actually.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: Adi Gallia's first line in the episode is, They've destroyed the main reactor. C-3PO's first line in the episode is, Did you hear that? In A New Hope, C-3PO's first lines were as follows. Did you hear that? They shut down the main reactor! Will be destroyed, for sure! Yeah. So they just basically distributed C-3PO's lines among everybody at the beginning of this episode. Which I think is brilliant. Um, I think it's one of the most brilliant things about this episode. Um, yeah. They escape in a Y-Wing, and I saw a small story credit in the uh, top uh, bottom right-hand corner that said, um, Y-Wing added in by Thomas Harper. The first planet they go down to is Petite Petuna. I'm that's what hmm. I'm gonna call it. Um I'm gonna look at this um Petite uh pati- Petit Yeah, Petit Petuna.
1: Wow, that is a mouthful.
0: That is that is definitely a mouthful. So this 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 mini story i call like i call them all the mini stories because that's what they are
1: yeah they're mini stories
0: this mini story is a weird one did this feel at all to you like a little bit of a white savior story
1: mm not really i wouldn't like, say that for me, it was it just kind like of a like
0: commentary s- on white savior stories
1: yeah i don't know i didn't i didn't really get that i i didn't yeah it didn't feel that deep to me again like i said it felt like kind of a Almost, it felt like a throwaway arc, again, with all the, the deleted arcs that we now know about, the deleted stories that they could have used. It does kind of hurt a little bit that they choose to include this yeah, in the uh, in the final cut of the season. But, you know, it is yeah. what it is.
0: Yeah, but, like, so, C-3PO and R2 accidentally kill the leader, the Big Hei-Zoo. Yes, the Big Hei-Zoo is the name of this guy. Um and so they wish uh so the remaining petite petun- petitite petunins wish for C three PO and R2 to stay on as their leaders, which reminded me of the Ewoks from Return of the Jedi.
1: Yeah, I think I, it could have been a some sort of God. I think it definitely could have been a reference to that.
0: Yeah. Uh but then C three PO teaches d- them democracy unsuccessfully.
1: Yeah, that that part was I don't know.
0: That part was actually kind of funny, was, in my opinion. I don't know. Then they fly to this planet called Balnab, and this is this Balnab is. This the is worst where it really. This football. is
1: where it really gets crazy. So the
0: so there are people being manipulated by a false hologram controlled by over controlling droids?
1: I mean. I think the what's I think the, the, the premise of this one is the best. I think it's pretty funny, you know.
0: I think it's like, I think it's really words. crazy and weird, but like what's the point of it? Is it supposed to be about the dangers of artificial intelligence? Because when you make the heroes also artificial intelligence, <laughs> you don't <laughs> yeah. make a really great point about I that. I don't
1: I don't think it I think again I I really don't think these episodes had any message. Honestly,
0: I mean, I don't think this one. They were had just kind of messages. No. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
1: uh, they're just kind of let's be weird and wacky for the sake of being weird and wacky.
0: Yeah. What um, they felt like Weird in. and wacky. Did you notice the pit droid as the facility exploded? One of them said, "There goes my empire." Yep. <laughs> which is one of the funniest lines I've heard from this episode.
1: Yeah, it was uh definitely interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh let me ask you one one other question. So 3PO and R2 randomly run out of power on Balnab? How did they run out of power on Balnab and not on Tatooine or the Forest Moon of Endor? Or anywhere?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean Maybe they had not gone with charging, or maybe they went they had gone without charging for a long time, presumably, but it is
0: or like maybe like, yeah,
1: it's a choice. we'll just say that it's definitely a narrative choice that that the director is, is. or the writer or or whoever made when they were yeah. hashing when they were figuring this one out, yeah,
0: I get Star Wars is for kids, and I get it's supposed to be silly, but like this is weird, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, um. This episode, in my opinion, is the ultimate event episode. And I say that not mm. like the ultimate as in it's great. I mean the ultimate as it's like the prime example of an It's the most event
1: eventy. Episode. It's yeah. the
0: most eventy, yeah. Where you have these all these stories that they couldn't really figure out how to develop into larger stories. So what they did was they just dropped them all. They just did. Yeah. And that's fine. That's fine for an episode. I don't think I'd love an entire series out of this, which makes me excited for when we get to droids, um, the actual TV show. But, um, but yeah. Any more thoughts about these, or do you want to uh, talk about how we rank the three of these? Um,
1: Let's rank them, yeah. Um,
0: I'm interested to hear your uh... take. Go first.
1: Okay, I think in number one, by a very, very wide margin, Shadow Warrior. Number two, Mercy Mission. And number three, of course, Nomad Droids.
0: Number one, uh, for me, uh, is uh, Mercy Mission. Number two is Nomad Droids. And number three, by a very wide margin, is Shadow Warrior.
1: (laughs) So we're the Um, opposite... um... Yeah, oh, no, I I couldn't stand that not episode. Not quite the opposite. Not quite the opposite, but yeah. We
0: had the opposite opinions on Shadow Warrior.
1: We did, yes.
0: Yeah, I could not stand that episode. That episode is one of my least five favorite episodes of the Clone Wars as of this point. Mm. It's like Brain Invaders and Downfall of a Droid uh, and Shadow Warrior. Down there, it's, I don't know, it just did not speak to me at all. Um, yeah We're about to, I will say this We're about to do, like, war And grit and death So it is nice to have a three episode break from that If Even if the episodes weren't great You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, 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 definitely Um
0: So, uh, now it is time For everyone's favorite part of Star Wars in a Galaxy What you've brought me Today is worth One quarter Portion
1: that's right. Everybody's favorite party today. We have another quick rank. Yes,
0: we do. Eli,
1: do you want to go first?
0: Yes, Jacob. Top five unbelievable moments in Star Wars. Good or bad. In honor of Shadow Warrior, um, top five moments. Here's what I'll explain, and I'll give mine five to you. That when you, when you saw these moments, good or bad, you could not believe that they actually did it
1: all right so here's all my right. five
0: here so for example number five was from shadow warriors grievous being defeated by gungans really they actually yeah. did that number Say four, what you want
1: about it it's unexpected
0: yeah number four in season seven when maul contacts dryden voss on mandalore Ooh. Like, wow! Really, they put Dryden Voss in there? Like, that's pretty cool. Um, number three, Thrawn and Rebels. Really, they brought Thrawn into Rebels. Number two was a personal choice for me. Um, Ray Skywalker. When they actually, when they actually come, came right out and said, "Yeah, Ray is choosing who she wants to be um, with people she wants to identify with," that was just mind blowing to me. I knew we could interpret the trilogy in that way. I didn't think they were just going to come right out and say it. And then number one, we got to give it to my boy Cobb Vanth for just appearing in a couple chapters of a book or two or three and then just suddenly getting an appearance played by Timothy Olyphant in The (laughs) Mandalorian. Yeah. So that's my list. What do you got?
1: Man, this is a this is hard. This is really hard. Um, right, these are no particular order because, sorry, but I think in my number five, I think um, uh, the the entire uh, Kylo Ren and Han scene in The Force Awakens, my jaw kind of kind of hit the floor when I saw that for the first time in the theaters. Um, in my number four spot, I think, Thrawn in Rebels. You know, I. Already knew about Thrawn from the EU, um, but I, I didn't read a ton about it. I read a ton of the books I had a minute, but nevertheless, I was super hyped when, when they decided to bring him into Rebels. It was, oh my gosh, it was so exciting. I was so excited, and it was it was such a great moment when he finally uh finally made his appearance after all the hype from the trailers. And my number three spot hmm i'm going to say yeah grievous getting uh grievous getting defeated by gungans maybe not in that maybe not in this order but yeah one spot has to go to grievous getting defeated by gungans you know that really that was really unexpected and and shocking but in a good way number two. two oh boy i think my number two spot would be ezra kind of saving ahsoka in the world between worlds yeah. that was an absolute mind boggler and then finally, I would have to go with uh, the, uh, the, the the I Am Your Father, the classic from Empire Strikes Back. Even though, even though I already knew what happened the first time I watched the Empire Strikes Back, it was still just a pretty mind-boggling moment when put into context of, of seeing that entire movie for the first time and seeing everything that Vader does and, and what Luke does leading up to that moment and after that moment that's my list
0: interesting list really interesting list what do you got for your top five
1: All right. what are your top five star wars movies based on the music
0: so scores
1: yeah top five scores
0: um i would go number one is undoubtedly the force awakens Number two is undoubtedly Sith. Remember the Sith. Number three is undoubtedly, um, shoot. Three is New Hope. Four is, uh, Skywalker. And five is... Shoot, man. I don't know. Um, five is... It's gonna be either Empire or, um... Phantom Menace I'm gonna go with Empire. Uh, Phantom Menace I'm gonna go with Phantom Menace so 5 Phantom Menace 4 Rise of Skywalker 3 what did I say okay let me try this again 5 Phantom Menace 4 Rise of Skywalker 3 Return of the Jedi 2 Revenge of the Sith and 1 Force Awakens
1: mm, alright this is really tough for me but I think Number five, Attack of the Clones, you know, you you have Padmé's, uh, Padmé's theme, the romance themes. In number four, Revenge of the Sith. That's pretty epic.
0: Revenge of the Sith is just a masterclass on score.
1: Actually, no, number number four, number five, Attack of the Clones. Number four, Force Awakens. Number three, I love the Force Awakens music, it's so good.
0: I, number three, I I I ended at number one. I that's my yeah. favorite soundtrack of all of them. It.
1: It's so it is really good, it's really good. Number three, Revenge of the Sith, number two, Return of the Jedi, and number one, A New Hope. G-
0: good good list, good list, good list. Um, yeah. We both put Force Awakens and Revenge of the Sith High for good reasons because they're they're both incredibly epic scores, though I really love all of them. Don't get me wrong, I really do love all of them. Um, yeah. I didn't put Last Jedi on there, but that's great music. I didn't put Attack of the Clones. Some great music, you know. Um. Anyway, yeah. um, that's gonna be it for this episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. Next episode, we're gonna have a very special treat. Um, Nessa is coming back on the show to talk Umbara with us. Um, that's gonna be really fun. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, you can. Uh, Check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcast, we will probably be there. Um, Follow us on Twitter at In a Galaxy Pod, Instagram at Star Wars In a Galaxy. You can check us out on YouTube, our YouTube channel is Star Wars uh, In a Galaxy. Uh, You can uh, uh, please leave a five-star rating and review. Uh, It really does help. Uh, You can email us with all your questions and hot takes and all that kind of stuff at SWInagalaxy at gmail.com. And uh, until then, may the Force be with you always.